Thanks for listening to the Campus Collective Podcast. As always, we pray that this resource is a helpful supplement for you as a follower of Jesus and as an active member in your local church. We love God's design for His church, and we believe that this resource could never substitute the incredible things that come from active involvement with a community of believers. Campus Collective is a ministry of Huntington Community Church. To learn more, visit our website at HuntingtonCommunityChurch.com. Hello. Yep, mic's on. How's everybody doing tonight? Um, it's, <laughs> I wasn't expecting kind of like a, kind of way I said that, it kind of felt like one of those moments you get like a crowd response, but uh, <laughs> it is, how is everybody doing tonight? But uh, it's, good, it's good to be here with you all tonight. Uh, I'm grateful to be able to, uh, to share from God's Word with you. My name is Andrew Callahan. I'm usually an announcements guy. Uh, tonight I get to share the Word, and so I'm very excited for that. Um, if you want to go ahead and open your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 5, tonight we're going to be looking from verses 11 through 14. If you're new here, uh, you have the, we get to hear a warning tonight, and so uh, we get, this is a pretty serious passage um, and I, I want to invite us all to listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying in his words tonight. And that speaking of Michael, several weeks back, Michael Loveday taught from chapter 3, and he read verse 7, seven in, in Hebrews, and it says this. It says, therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice. And Michael pointed out two things in that text that I thought were absolutely beautiful. First, He's quoting the Old Testament, right? And the author of Hebrews says, as the Holy Spirit says. And so the first thing is that he is assigning true authorship of the scriptures to God, specifically the Holy Spirit. And then the second thing that he pointed out for us uh, was that it does not say that the Holy Spirit said, but that he says, teaching us that each, each and every time when we read or when we hear the word of God, he is speaking anew to us and inviting us to believe and to respond. And that, that's grace, that when we hear the word of God, when we look to it, it's a, it's a chance we don't deserve to hear God and to respond. We can repent of our sins. We can feel conviction. We can respond in faith when we behold the glory of Christ. And that's something we don't deserve. So the question we ought to be looking at when we're looking at any passage of the scripture, but I specifically want to be asking it tonight is what is the Holy Spirit saying to us today? And so in chapter 5, 11 through 14, what is the Holy Spirit saying? And as I've already said, this particular section that we're looking at and continuing into next week, we have a warning, and he is uncomfortably direct. And so in light of that, I am going to try my best not to soften the directness of what the Holy Spirit is saying to us tonight. At Fall Retreat, if you've been there, and then again this past weekend at Tell West Virginia, we have been really engraving 2 Corinthians 4 uh, into our hearts. There it commends us uh, that we are to not tamper with the word of God, but that we should instead openly state the truth, thus commending ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And if I'm honest, like sometimes when we're looking at the word, we get to direct passages, hard challenges, hard truths, uh, and we can be tempted to tamper with it. We can be tempted to sort of gloss over it, uh, maybe say the hard thing, but quickly kind of like maybe uh, start explaining why it's actually not that big of a deal or why it's not that bad of news. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, is that when the, when the scriptures take a serious tone, uh, we ought not to tamper with that. And so I'm going to try to honor uh, the directness of this passage. I want to openly state it before you all uh, so that I can commend myself 
uh, to, your, to my conscience before God and before you all. And so I ask that you bear with me. It's a short time we have here. Uh, the author of Hebrews even says at the end of the book, uh, bear with me because I'm writing this letter uh, and I'm exhorting you all uh, and I ask that you would hear it. And so that's where we're going tonight. Uh, and I want to say this, that the truth is uh, the scriptures are meant by God, not only for our encouragement. Sometimes that's what we want, right? We open the Bible uh, popularly and maybe we're looking like Googling uh, top 10 verses for like a pick-me-up. Uh, and the Bible is abundantly encouraging. It gives courage. It is good news. Uh, but it's not meant only for our encouragement, but also for our reproof and our discipline and training in righteousness. And so Hebrews 12, I'm going to a little spoiler alert for later in the series. Uh, it teaches us that God disciplines us uh, in his word and in our lives because he loves us as a father loves his children. Our earthly fathers, they discipline us, it says, and we respect them for it. How much more so our Father who in heaven, who disciplines us, uh, not arbitrarily, but for our good, it says in uh, verse 10, that we can share in his holiness. So dis discipline is necessary for our faith. And so let's, let's not just be people who are repulsed uh, by hard things when we read them, or hard truths, but let's search them and hear the Holy Spirit. I want to invite you to resolve with me to receive what the Holy Spirit is saying to us in the word without dulling its sharpness. We can be completely open with ourselves and before God and even one another tonight in our fellowship as we kind of unpack uh, what the word of God says here. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna invite you to pray with me before we get into our text. Father, we are grateful for your word. Thank you, God, that you have spoken to us and you still speak to us, that today it is called today, Lord, so we are able even now to respond to you in faith. Maybe some of us are uh, limping or struggling, God, um, maybe some of us are coming in here and we do not have faith in your son. God, we, we are grateful for another opportunity right now to hear your word and to respond. Complete openness, repentance, God, uh, bearing fruit and keeping with that repentance, uh, receiving the righteousness that has been accomplished for us in Christ. God, we want to exalt in your word. We don't want to take these nights for granted. So help us be honest with ourselves. God, it's sometimes we, the deceitfulness of our hearts uh, can keep us from being honest and can keep us from dealing uh, with things that are true. God, so please uh, have mercy on us tonight and give us your grace. I pray, God, that you'd be with me, that I would not be uh, harsh in my weakness, but that I would exhort from the text. I love you, Father. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So my iPad just turned off here. Um, so I, I've titled the sermon Pulse Check uh, because I believe that generally when we see warnings in the New Testament issued to believers, they are meant to prompt us to consider our own spiritual vitality, check, kind of like a pulse check, so that, as Hebrews 3.12 says, we can take care lest there be in any of us an evil, unbelieving heart leading us to fall away from the living God. So these are our mercy, that we have these warnings. Sometimes, sometimes we fall asleep. Uh, we see over and over again this idea of do not be asleep, you know, when the day of the Lord comes. We don't want to be there. And over and over again, we have these warnings in Scripture that can, can wake us up, and that's a grace from the Lord. I'm going to take a drink of water real quick. And so, uh, with that in mind, let's read verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 11. We'll start there. So it says this, about this, we have much to say. So uh, we're here last time we were in Hebrew. It's talking about Melchizedek. You can kind of glance up in your Bibles. It's talking about Jesus being a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek. And then he said, so about this, we have much to say. And it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. So 
again, what is this question? What is the Holy Spirit saying to us tonight? What I believe we see in this passage is that it is possible for us to identify ourselves as a Christian, to accept the gospel, but that we can become dull of hearing. Notice in the text it says, have become dull of hearing, which, as we will see, may mean that we are in danger. We see this more clearly in chapter 6. We are in danger of forsaking our hope in Christ and the promises of the gospel, leading us to fall away from the living God. Serious, right? We, that could be, could be true of us, that we accept the gospel, uh, that we could become dull of hearing, and the danger of becoming dull of hearing is that we, we may forsake the promises of the gospel. Uh, and it, it, chapter 6 says, it has the language of falling away. It says that multiple times in Hebrews, that we could fall away, uh, so to speak, from the living God. Um, speaking of the promises, like what is our hope in Christ? The hope in which we are saved, it speaks about this in chapter 6, verse 11. It's adoption as children of God through his death and resurrection of Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins. And when I, when I speak of, of falling away, again, I want to point out that I'm, I'm borrowing that from chapter 6, verse 6, in, in which we see that the author of Hebrews speaks of people who have supposedly believed. Like you can look at that, you see that these people have supposedly believed in the hope of the gospel, but their lives have not borne fruit in keeping with repentance, and they are thus in danger of falling away, as the author says. The clear teaching of God's word is that saving faith is persevering faith, and it is fruit-bearing faith. This means that if the character of our faith does not produce perseverance in spite of suffering and temptations, and if it does not produce the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus in our lives in keeping with the repentance, then our supposed faith is dead, and it is of no credit to us. So in light of the seriousness, the directness of this, we would do well to seek to understand what is being said here. So how do we know, it's a question we ought to ask, how do we know if we're becoming what the Holy Spirit calls dull of hearing? So uh, let's lean in, let's do a spiritual pulse check together. Let's look at verse 12 through 14, the rest of the text. It says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. That's speaking about uh, the truths of the gospel. Uh, it says at the beginning of Hebrews that in former days God has spoken to us through prophets, but in the present day he speaks to us through his son. All the truths of the gospel that we have received in Christ, uh, these are the basic principles of the oracles of God. Uh, these are detailed in chapter six. Let's continue. It says, you need milk, not solid food, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. So the method of this pulse check I'd like to do, I've, just, I've got three questions uh, for us that I want to just seriously ask ourselves. Um, so the first of these questions that I want to sort of be probing for us in our lives, how is, we should be asking ourselves, how is my appetite for the word of God in my life? Do I crave deeper assurance of hope or am I content to know, quote, just enough? So I want to I point out, look at the verse in verse 12. It says, by this time. So by that we know that the Christians in the original audience, the author of Hebrews is writing to, they're not, they're not brand new Christians, right? And so just as a parent expects their baby to transition from nursing alone to incorporating solid food with richer nourishment to sustain their growth, so also this author, he's sort of being parental a little bit. He expects the audience to have a stronger appetite for a deeper, more nourishing understanding of the gospel of truth, excuse me, the gospel of Christ. So here's the truth. Just as we have physical appetites for food that correspond to being alive, if you're hungry, you know I'm alive, 
so also we have spiritual appetites when we have been given the new life in Christ. If you confess Jesus as Lord, but have no hunger in your life for knowing and cherishing Jesus deeper, then we need to repent and believe in the promises of the gospel. Hebrews is abundantly clear that not cherishing Christ, it's, it's not an issue of not being intellectually stimulated enough, right? Like this is an issue of unbelief. The reason that the people in the wilderness generation, they failed uh, not because of, of law, right? They failed, they failed to enter the rest because of unbelief. And so anytime we encounter, like our spiritual appetite is ser- seriously lacking. The issue is not that we're not reading the right commentaries, right? The issue is that we uh, are not believing the promises of the gospel. So we need to ask God in prayer. It's a grace, right? Like, God, help me in my unbelief. So it's an opportunity to repent. You may need to confess. I'll say this. James says that it is healthy to confess. So you may need to confess tonight to somebody that you trust here that you have had little to no hunger for God's word in your life. And I'll say, like, out of my own weakness, like, I've been there. Like, my D group guys will tell you, like, it's not, off, not unoften uh, that sometimes I'll come in and I've just been struggling uh, to be in the word of God and I need my brothers uh, to sort of spur me on. Like, that's, we make excuses, but the truth of the matter is that I'm not believing and I'm not, uh, I don't want it, right? Like, I can say I'm busy, I can say I have these things going on, but the real reason I'm not in the word of God is that uh, I'm not hungry and I don't want it. And so confession brings healing and we can invite that accountability into our lives. And so I wanna challenge you, if right now you're thinking, man, I've had no hunger for God's word in my life. If you feel conviction right now, I wanna, first I wanna encourage you that that's a spiritual pulse, right? Like if you're convicted right now, that's, that's a spiritual pulse and it's a gift from the Holy Spirit to invite you into fuller assurance of hope until the end. But it is of no benefit to you if you do not respond, right? Like when we read God's word, it is of no benefit to us if we do not respond and in fact only condemns us. So this also, I wanna, this is a beautiful thing that I, I noticed here in the text that I wanna show you guys. This has implications not just for us individually, right? Like sometimes in our culture, we can be very individualistic, but this has implications for the local church. Notice that the author is not addressing any particular individuals. He doesn't name names who have become dull of hearing, as you, you might expect that with an admin, like a, uh, admonishment like this. But this warning is addressed to the whole community of this, of this letter, right? Like it says, uh, you have become dull of hearing. It's a plural you. It's not referring to you know, Timothy, right? It's, it's referring to this community. So what do we see by, uh, in that? Uh, what do we learn about what God's design is for the local church? The assumption of this text and of the New Testament is that Christians live out or fail to live out their calling not as primarily or, or solely independent agents of Jesus, but of members in the anatomical sense of a body of believers. Like, we should belong to a local family. Like, this is like assumed in the text. It doesn't say, hey, by the way, go to a church and make sure, uh, you know, that this church loves the word of God. It's just assumed. Like, when he's writing to this people, he's saying, you have become dull of hearing. Uh, he isn't writing a bunch of letters to a bunch of people. He's written it to a family that gathers. So it's just true. We are responsible for one another in the, when we accept Christ. We are our brother's keepers. Don't, we don't wanna just belong to a local church for ourselves. We belong to a local church for one another. We belong to a local church so that you can practice the king of, kingdom of God right now, which is definitionally kingdom of God. It's referring to a community of people under the lordship of Christ, which uh, and called out by his grace. And most importantly, though, we belong to a local church for the glory of God in our city and among all the nations of the earth. So we, we talk about local church membership a lot around here. It's not because we want to have a big roster, right? Like, we really believe that it's God's will for you to be a part of a, a healthy local church. 
uh, to glorify his name among the nations. That's what we see all throughout scripture is assumed in so much of the Bible as well as overtly taught. This is why it is integral to our mission at Hunt Community Church that we say that we equip one another to know God because a church family that exalts to make much of the scripture not just individually, right, but in community. We gather for community groups. We have D groups. We have Sunday morning worship, community group. I've already said that. We, we all throughout our lives, uh, we are exalting together in the word of God. And there's something so uh, assuring about that. And Hebrews has a language of spurring one another on to love and good works. I want, I want you to think right now, have you ever been talking with a friend and they are just exalting in the word of God. And I mean, they are speaking to you about the glories of Jesus, his power in their life, and the word is just flowing out of them. And all of a sudden, you just kind of get splashed with their gospel joy, right? Like, you come into that, man, I have had no hunger for the word of God. You come to this conversation, this person, it's, uh, it's evident uh, that they love the glory of Christ that they see in the scripture, uh, and they're talking about it, right? And you're splashed with that, and you're hungry. It's a gift, Right, like that's why community can be so beautiful for us. And so, like I was having a conversation like just recently at Fall Retreat, and uh, we're talking and we're asking questions, and all of a sudden, you know, I wasn't that hungry necessarily coming in. I had a little bit of hunger. I'm trying to keep up with it, but man, was that encouraging, right? Like we get to splash each other with gospel joy, and that's something we can put into practice tonight in our fellowship. Like we can go downstairs and we can talk about sports or whatever we want to talk about, and that's fine. There's a place for small talk. But we can also push past that awkwardness and splash, splash each other a little bit with gospel joy. We can, talk, we can be honest with each other, right? Like in Christ, it's in the, we're in the light. We can say, man, I've been having a hard time. Uh, or, you know, maybe we haven't been having a hard time. Maybe we are really richly in the word of God and we can share that, right? Like use that as a way, not as a self-righteous thing, right? But to encourage your brothers and sisters uh, about what God is doing in your life, knowing that that can be encouraging to them. So we can apply that tonight. So that's the first question, right? Like, am I... Uh, what's my appetite for God's word? Like, do I have any appetite for God's word? People who, who love God long to see more of him in scripture. That's why it's talking about food, right? Milk, solid food. It's talking about our appetite spiritually. Second question, am I being obedient to the great commission or the call from Jesus to all disciples to make disciples? This question uh, may seem maybe to you a little bit at first to be out of place, but look with me at verse 12. It says this, for though at this time, look at this, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. So what does he mean, uh, teachers? Like, certainly he's not implying that this whole body of believers, you should all be pastors, right? Like, everyone in here, you should be aspiring to lead a Sunday school class or something like that. Like, that's, that's not true, right? Like, God has given pastors. He's given elders, shepherds, evangelists, right, for the equipping of saints for the work of ministry, uh, but the fact of the matter is that we see in God's word that we all are, in some sense, that's what he's implying anyways, to be teachers. So it's not just for pastors, and it's not just for, quote, unquote, smart intellectual Christians, right? It's for all of us. So what does this mean, right? We are commissioned by Jesus in what's called the Great Commission, we're going to read that here in a minute, to teach others. This is called, what's what we mean when we say discipleship? This is the process of multiplying God's glory across the whole earth through more and more people being reborn into Christ. So maybe you aren't familiar with the Great Commission. I'm gonna read this to you now. Uh, it's a term we've coined for Matthew 28. It starts in verse 18. Jesus is just resurrected from the grave. He is preparing to ascend to heaven to sit at the right hand of God. And what does he say 
to his disciple. he gives, uh, disciples. He gives them a mission that relates to us today. It says this, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, look at this, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So when we look at this, there's naturally uh, one thing he's assuming, right? Like there's two stages to, to what we see in this Great Commission. There's teaching, right? But naturally, if we're going to teach people all that Christ has commanded, we have to first learn and observe all that Jesus has commanded. We can't teach or disciple others if we ourselves are so dull of hearing. Like, it's what we talked about here, that we must continually be re-instructed on the basic principles of the oracles of God, which the author details, uh, as I pointed out earlier. He talks about these basic principles in chapter 6, verses 1 through 2, if you want to look ahead, but we'll be getting into that more next week. And it's, I want to point out also that it's not that we should ever abandon or go beyond the basic principles of the gospel. There's like this intellectual pride in us sometimes, it's something I'm guilty of, where we just want something new, right? Like we, we read the gospel, we get bored with it, and we assume that because we're bored with it, that it's boring, and we need something better. So we're looking like, man, where's this like kernel of wisdom in there that I've never seen before to blow my mind, when the truth is that we've just become dull of hearing. Like we need to resaturate ourselves in the gospel. So it's not saying, you know, like throw away the milk, right? Like that's for babies. It's we don't abandon or go beyond the basic principle of the gospel, but that we should build upon them as one builds upon a foundation. We have this kind of a house image. The man or a woman who lives on solid food has not abandoned milk any more than the builder of a house abandons the foundation when they go on to construct walls. They just do not live. Look at that verse in 13. It says specifically, anyone who lives on milk, having become skilled in the word of righteousness or in the hope of Christ's righteousness, given to us through faith so as to teach others uh, this word of righteousness. So we don't abandon that, right? Uh, but there is this we see from the Great Commission, that it is the expectation that we are to teach in some sense, right? It's discipleship. And here's the hard truth that I think the Spirit is saying. We, I'm, I'm, bar, I'm taking this from the text, so don't hear this as something I'm trying to correct people. It says this, some of you ought to be teachers by now. But you are not because you have become dull of hearing somewhere along the way. So for some of us, it is hard to impress the depth of the riches of Christ upon you because you simply do not have a taste for it. You have no interest in knowing God deeper through his word or in taking part of the, the mercy ministry of discipleship. Perhaps you have been here, you know, maybe three, four years now. You've bounced through several D groups. You're kind of here sometimes. You're here not sometimes. But you just have remained unskilled in the word of righteousness, which is the gospel. So you continue to live on milk, just continual re-instruction on the basic principles, not aspiring to ever be entrusted to ever disciple or serve others, but only consuming. Sometimes we do that. We consume the labor of others that love Christ on our, they, they labor for us, and uh, we consume it without bearing any fruit. And so we, sometimes we tell ourselves we're too busy, but the truth is that we just don't want it when we're like that, when we become dull of hearing. Um, and so that's, really like the admonition of the spirit here is that some of us ought to be teachers by now. It's not true of everybody, right? Like some of you just came to Christ this semester. Certainly you ought not to be teachers by now, but he assumes that there's a point in a disciple's life where they ought to be teachers by now. I don't know uh, what's going on in your heart right now, but maybe the spirit's saying this to you right now, like you ought to be teachers by now, but we are so dull of hearing, so unhungry for the word of God that we are uh, it just must be continually, we can't, the richer truths of the gospel can't be impressed upon us because we, we haven't sat with the, the basic principles. 
So, I, and I want to really go hard on this that I don't say these things to shame us, right? Like, there's no work for shame in the life of a believer. I want to say, the author of Hebrews says in chapter 6, uh, in, in verse 9, he says, Though we speak in this way, yet in your case, beloved, we feel sure of better things, things that belong to salvation. So I need you to bear with me in, in this word of exhortation tonight, because my time up here is short, as I've said. I want to remind us that the scriptures say that we are blessed when we hear the exhortation of the word of Christ and are not offended. Blessed is anyone who is not offended by Christ that we receive these exhortations and we receive the gift of conviction. And our response isn't ick. Our response is repentance, right, which can bear fruit in our lives. Um, so I, I want to remind us, like, this isn't a shame message. The word of God never intends to shame the believer. It wants to commend us uh, to live, to aspire for full assurance of hope. I want to com- commend myself. Like, why am I saying these hard things? I want to commend myself to everyone's conscience in the sight of God by openly stating what I see in the word of God hoping that if if this is true of you, if you're becoming dull of hearing, that it's still called today. While the Holy Spirit still speaks to us in his word, you can receive that gift of conviction tonight by the directness of his word, and we can repent and believe in the word of righteousness, which is the gospel. So that's grace. So, and I also want to remind us, talking about discipleship, it's not a solo mission, right? Like, it's not a solo thing for us to hunger for the word of God. It's also not a solo thing uh, for us to disciple. Discipleship isn't just teaching someone Jesus' love ethic or learning to be more virtuous through self-discipline. It is the process by which we are gradually brought deeper into unity with God. You see that unity in the Great Commission, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And get this, one another. It's the will of God that we be not only one with God, but naturally, impl- by implication, one with one another. This past Sunday, it was the message at HCC. It's John 17. Jesus prayed this for you. He prayed that not only would you be one with the Father as he is one with the Father, that we'd be one with one another. So we need, uh, we, all of us, all who believe, we want, he, the Father wants us to be one. So when we teach or when we disciple, it's not just personal mentorship, right? Not just you going one-on-one uh, to mentor people personally. It's bringing others into the fold, into the kingdom of God. So if the thought of teaching others, you're like, not me, right? Like, it seems like a daunting task. I, I just have good news is that you weren't meant to do that as an independent agent. You're meant to do it with the church family. So uh, I just want to keep that before us. And so for some of you, this may mean you have a very practical first step tonight. It's just to take belonging to a church seriously for the first time. It's not just showing up, like, look at me, I'm here, someone noticed me. Now we're showing up and we're part of the family. We're, we're, we're noticing one another. Like, here, I, uh, here you are, right? Like, I notice you. We, we show up not just to be served, uh, not just as a visitor, but as a member of the family. So it seems uh, overly pragmatic, maybe, to take church membership seriously, uh, but it's a serious step that a lot of us might need to take. But for all of this, it might need, mean that we need to just repent of our passivity and our own growth. Confess that. You can confess that to someone here tonight that you trust before you leave that, and aspire to grow into maturity by God's grace solid food. Again, not for the sake of maturity, just to be intellectual people, right? But as people starve for more and more of Jesus as we wait eagerly for his appearance and the promises of the gospel to be ours. So either, either last week or the week before in the prayer meeting, which quick plug for the prayer meeting, uh, we pray at 645 in the overflow room beyond that wall uh, before collective every Tuesday. And everyone's welcome uh, to be a part of that. But, but we read from Psalm 32 uh, a few weeks ago, and there's an image in verse 9 that really struck me. It says this, Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with a bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. So maybe we have some uh, horse girls in here. Maybe some of you guys know about horses. Uh, But this image, right, is like curbed with bit 
and bridle. Uh, they need to use these small mechanisms to guide this horse just to stay near them, right? Like, got to blind them almost to stay on that path, or else they're just going to wander away. And the scripture here is saying, like, how often does that describe us in our relationship with God? In our immaturity, we sometimes are like ignorant animals that need to be tightly restrained, so to speak, in order just to pray, in order to spend time in God's word, in order to observe the commands of Christ, which only bring life, right? Like, this isn't about, like, pull up your bootstraps and do hard stuff. Like, the things that, the burden of Christ is light, right? Like, these are things, Christ came that we can have abundant life, and sometimes we need people to, like, kind of can make it look pretty, right? Like, here, please eat the gospel fruit, right? Like, we need that. We can be like foolish animals. And I've, I've got a, a one-and-a-half-year-old daughter, and babies are a lot like that, right? It's like you're kind of like, you know, open your mouth, eat some food. Uh, you need that to survive. And they're like, no. And uh, they're like, hey, don't jump off, you know, this bed. You will not be okay. And so we can be like that. It's funny, right? Like it's so goofy. And that's us, right? Like sometimes in our relationship with God, uh, we need people to sort of convince us. And so some of us, uh, you have somebody you probably need to thank tonight in your life that has been expending a lot of effort to graciously curb you and try to convince you to do the bare minimum to maintain a spiritual pulse. My desire for you is that you would aspire to maturity by God's grace, and that you would begin to look around and find people to whom you can extend that same patience and grace and discipleship, the same pay that is being shown to you by the people that some people, maybe it might be true of you, that some people are checking in on your spiritual life more than you're checking in with your own, right? Like maybe there's somebody in here that cares more about how's your walk with God doing, then you even think about your own walk with God. And uh, that's, you know, we should thank those people. I've had those people in my life that are checking with them and with me when I, I'm like a horse, right? It's kind of like curbing me just to, to stay uh, with Christ. Last, last question I want us to ask ourselves, am I bearing fruit in keeping with repentance? I want to read verses 13 and 14 again. It says this, for everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, talking about the gospel, Christ's righteousness given to us since he is a child. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good from evil. I wanna be clear when we speak of being so skilled in the word of righteousness and having your powers of discernment trained by constant practice, God, I think Hebrews has good, solid doctrine in mind here in particular, uh, but God's word does not merely refer, it doesn't refer to anything less than, but it doesn't merely refer uh, to knowing solid theology and doctrine. And though, it's, again, it doesn't refer to anything less than that. Fact of the matter is, like, spiritually reborn or not, we can be Bible nerds. Some of us, some people just find biblical theology interesting, compelling to study. Knowing that, but knowing solid theology in and of itself, that doesn't produce the righteousness that God desires. Like, that's a temptation of mine. Sometimes I think, like, man, this theology I'm producing, right? Like, this is the righteousness God desires. It's not true. Like, the righteousness that God desires is the righteousness Christ has accomplished on the cross. That's only ours through faith. That's what we call the word of righteousness. It's a dead work to just know stuff. The, um, but, so the question is, right, like, what then? Should we know sound doctrine or not? Like, I've been talking a lot about uh, we should crave the word of God. So, of course, we should. Uh, it's, you might be asking, isn't that what the whole milk and solid food thing is all about? But I want us, us to see that the gospel reality is that when we behold or when we gaze upon the glory of God in the face of Jesus, we see this richly unveiled in the doctrines of the word of God, we are meant, the purpose is that we would respond in faith, believing in God, having seen him in the face of Jesus, and hoping in the promises of adoption and resurrection. 
This faith is a gift from God, not a work of the flesh. And here it is this. It is transformative in nature. Some of us are in uh, our church community groups, and we're going through 2 Corinthians. And this struck me when we were in chapter 3. It's in verse 18, it says this. And we all, with unveiled face, right? Like these are people who have seen the glory of God in the scripture. Unveiled face, the veil's lifted. Look what they're doing. Beholding the glory of the Lord, what's it doing? Are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is a spirit. It's not inert, right? Like faith in Christ isn't inert. It's not just a thing we accept intellectually. When we behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus, by God's spirit living in us, we are transformed to look like the image that we are beholding. It's talking about bearing fruit. When we mine the scriptures, the doctrines within, we have to mine the doctrines of scripture diligently as the people starving to see more of Jesus, as we believe it, as we have deeper hope in the promises contained therein, as we treasure Jesus, we bear fruit by the powerful working of God's spirit in us. It's two types of fruit, right? Like that fruit is repentance. It's, we repent. It's renouncing our former ways, which both condemned us before God and they're destructive in nature. And it is putting on. It talks about like this kind of like clothing image in scripture. Like now that you're in Christ, why are you living like you're not in Christ, right? Like we put off the dead works of the flesh that didn't produce the righteousness that God desires. And by the grace of God, we put on the righteousness of Christ that has been secured by by Christ for us on the cross. It's called, speaking in scripture, it's called, called that about bearing fruit. So we live like Jesus by the transformative power of faith in Christ. Some of that fruit you might be recognized like the fruit of the spirit. It talks about in Galatians, love, joy, peace, patience. Like we're meant to look more like Christ as we behold the image of Christ in scripture. So clear teaching in scripture is not something that we're just throwing around here. Fruitless faith might be dead faith. This is of no credit to you, so take care. We have to take care, as it says in here, lest there be in any of us an evil, unbelieving heart, which leads us to fall away from the living God. And I want to point us now to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Paul actually employs the same image of milk and solid food there, but rather than speaking about doctrine, like I think our passage mainly is talking about, he's speaking about fruit. So I think it's applicable for us tonight. Look with me at verse 1 in chapter 3, 1 Corinthians. But our brothers could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food. Why? Because you weren't ready for it. How does he know they're not ready for it? And even now you are not ready for it. Here's why. For you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy, it's not a doctrine, right? Like while there is jealousy and strife among you, it's childish behaviors of the flesh, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? So we prove that we aren't ready for the solid food, of the deeper truths of the gospel that we can behold through the scriptures when like the, the basic principles of the oracles of God aren't having their transformative effect in our life. Like when we're still behaving as people of the flesh. And it doesn't mean we're not gonna sin, right? Like we sin, we act like children sometimes. The most mature of us can maybe act like a baby here and there, needing told, like, you know, bit and bridle. Uh, doesn't mean we don't sin, right? But it does mean that we shouldn't have, like, we shouldn't continue in our former ways as though we haven't been bought by the blood of Christ. So one thing I want to commend you tonight, give people in your D groups, not just anybody, right, that happens to be a Christian, but the people that know you, love you, permission specifically, like don't wait for them to ask for it, give them permission to speak directly to you and ask them if they will discern with you if you are bearing fruit in keeping with your repentance. And for those, if somebody approaches you about that, like we can't lie to each other, right? Like graciously speak the truth to one another in love, but our selfish nature, like speaking about myself, 
We would rather leave our friends living on milk their whole lives and bearing little to no fruit than do the uncomfortable work, it's uncomfortable, of loving each other enough to admonish each other and call one another into the grace of Christ. It's hard. Sometimes I'm so selfish that I'm like, you know, I could help. I, have, I see something that's hurting you, but you might be offended if I bring this up to you. And so I don't want to deal with that relational stuff, and so I'm just going to keep, it, keep the peace, right? But we need to do our friends the service of loving another enough to tell the truth of grace. And I want to be clear, like, we aren't calling one another into being better, more moral people, and we certainly aren't calling them to do anything because we ourselves are good moral people with the authority to correct them. Like, some of us aren't willing to correct each other because we're like, you know, I don't have my stuff together, right? Like, we're not doing that on, the, on our own authority, and we also have to search ourselves. Christ reminds us that remove the plank in your own eye. But we are, here's what we are doing. We're calling people to behold the glory of Christ and to respond in faith. You don't have to be, you don't have to have it all together to point people to believe in the promises of the gospel. So when you see things, blind spots in your friends' lives, in your D group, have the, have the courage to, to let them know about it with grace, right? Like in truth. Don't just call each other out to pick on, pick on one another. It can be, we can wear each other out that way and we can discourage one another. Uh, but let's give each other that permission. You can do that tonight. Like talk to your people. Like, hey, I give you permission. Like help me, like you can call me, you can talk to me. I want to discern, like am I bearing fruit and in keeping with my repentance? Reminding ourselves, like, while the promises of the gospel still stand to be obtained by us, we should listen to the Holy Spirit in the word and persevere, bearing fruit in keeping with our repentance. So I'm going to ask Jacqueline if you can put the uh, three pulse check questions up on the screen if you've got them on a single slide. Uh, but I'd like for us just kind of to consider these as we close here up in a little bit. Ultimately, we've said this, this scripture, it's only going to benefit those of us who hear and respond in faith, persevering, fruit-bearing faith in the word of righteousness, the gospel, and the promises for those who believe. So that's what I want to invite you to do. Perhaps some of us have become dull of hearing. We've been living on milk. We ought to be teachers by now. And I want to encourage you that if this is you, you have an opportunity tonight, right now, to hear the conviction of the Holy Spirit prodding you inside in your life, and you right now have an opportunity to respond with belief. Warning texts like this can cause us a lot of worry, right? Like some of us maybe are, are a little bit worried for ourselves. And I want to remind us, like they're not in Scripture to condemn us, but to call you deeper into the grace of God if you're in spawn in faith. It's not the will of God that you be constantly worrying, am I saved, right? right? Like, but he does want us to remain open to the conviction of the Holy Spirit so that if we're falling asleep, we're getting a little dull of hearing, uh, that we can wake up. And that's the grace of God. And so I don't want to shake our confidence in our salvation, but perhaps we are fooling ourselves with an evil, unbelieving heart into a false sense of confidence. Any confidence we have ought to come from the word of God uh, working in our lives, not from some supposed state of, of being okay with God in our lives. And I want to also say, like, there are some people in this room maybe tonight that are, that are not just what he's calling dull of hearing, because he's speaking to Christians in this word right now, right? He's talking about people who have been Christians for some time. But maybe you're not just dull of hearing, but maybe right now, for the first time ever, you are hearing. You're hearing from God's word as the Holy Spirit speaks to you. And I want to encourage you that if God is stirring in you to repent, if you have seen the glory of Christ in the word tonight, that you can respond in faith right now. It doesn't require uh, some special dedication service. You can respond right now, and the promises of the gospel are yours to take hold of. And I don't want to assume that we all know, like, what is this word of righteousness? And I've, I've sort of spoken about it tonight. But I want to be clear. The word of righteousness is turning from our dead works 
or our supposed maturity, which do not produce the righteousness that God desires, to faith in Christ's work on the cross, which has become our righteousness before God. If you don't know what God has done, like he has sent his son to take on flesh, and he was faithful on earth to the Father. He gave himself up as a sacrifice for our sins and died on the cross, canceling the record of debt that stood against us with his legal demands. And in his resurrection, he, he rose again, third day, and he defeated death, which opens the door for us to become heirs with him of eternal life and the peace of God. Sometimes we think about the gospel, we're thinking about sins canceled, right? That's not just sin canceled. The word of righteousness is that he has lavished his grace on us. We receive the righteousness of Christ when we believe in Christ. The promise of the God, like whatever is owed Christ, sonship, um, scripture speaks of us receiving glory, adoption as children, um, being beloved and pleasing to the Father, these things become true of us. Like these are promises. Like we see in chapter 11, we're gonna get there eventually next semester, that this faith has sustained a lifetime of suffering and perseverance for people because they were looking forward to the city that has foundations, the promises of the gospel. They can be taken hold of by you right now and can sustain a life of persevering faith that has repented, it continues to persevere, and it bears fruit in keeping with that repentance. It's not about your works. It's not about you being a mature person. It's about you receiving the righteousness of Christ on your behalf. So uh, in, in saying that, I want to invite you to believe it. I want you to invite you to repent of your sin, set your hope on these promises. I want to, to admonish you, do not neglect also to share. If this is true, like, don't forget to share what God is doing in your heart right now afterwards. Sometimes we do these, think about these things and we, we don't have the courage to talk about it. So if this is you, I want, I want to read 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 2 through 3 for you. It employs the same image of milk uh, that we see in tonight's passage, except this is in a, a positive sense. Like in, the, in Hebrew, is, these people shouldn't be on milk anymore, right? Like they've been Christians for some time, but Peter applies it differently. He says this, like newborn infants, so he's encouraging them, like here's how you should be. Like newborn infants, long, spiritual appetite, long for the pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. So if you're tasting the goodness of the Lord in the gospel right now, long, that's a spiritual pulse. Like you can repent and respond in faith right now and receive the life of Christ, the righteousness of Christ. You can long, the, the basic principles of the oracles of the gospel are yours to behold, right? And you can continue to crave and, and mine those for the rest of your life. I know there are, are, are several uh, here who have only recently, maybe not here right now, but in our family anyways, who've only recently turned to the Lord in faith. And for you and for anyone who is tasting that the Lord is good tonight for the first time, long for that spiritual milk. Hold fast your hope until the end. You will not be put to shame. And I wanna say that it's, a, it's such a joy that we are bought into a family. And some of us are on solid food. Other of us are just, taking, just now tasting the spiritual milk. But all of us are like, are sustained by the grace of Christ and we're taking of the same table that God has set before us in the gospel. And I, I, I want to say that I, I want to go ahead and invite the band back up, but I know that sermons like this can bring up, maybe, maybe I've answered five questions for you, but I brought up 105. And so if you've got a lot of questions, if you're feeling a little worried, I, wanna, I would love to talk to you. I'll be in the overflow room afterwards for a little bit if you'd like to talk. And I want to reiterate this challenge for all of us. Aspire to maturity by the grace of Jesus, not for maturity's sake, but that you may have full assurance of hope until the end. Let's repent where we need to repent tonight. And we can do that right now. Some of us probably need to find someone we trust to confess to tonight. All of us need to spur one another on in our fellowship afterwards by exalting God's word together, splashing one another with gospel joy. And we can choose by the Spirit, the spirit of God to push past the potential awkwardness and just get real with each other and, and perhaps revive one another in the spirit. Let me pray for us. God, we, we love Christ. We exalt you in your word. You are so gracious to us, God. You've given us 
great promises. These promises are, are worth sacrificing everything for God. It's a great treasure. We can never exhaust the riches of your grace, the riches of your, of your glory. God, we can behold you forever and find new things to cherish about you every day. Revive us, God. Teach us to long uh, for pure spiritual milk. Teach us to aspire to maturity, not for maturity's sake, God, but to, to honor you. We want to, we want to see uh, the depths of the riches of Christ in your word. God, I pray that you would save people tonight through faith. Pray that we would be encouraged in our fellowship, and we want to worship you tonight. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.